I want you to take an inventory right now in your life. How many ministries do you support? Do you even support your local church? And how often have you come alongside even the pastors and Christian leaders in your life to encourage them and to pray for them? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be exploring on today's podcast. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you guys, as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we now enter a new chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul's actually going to continue his argument that he laid out in chapter 8, where he emphasized the importance, remember, of not letting your freedom in Christ jeopardize your witness to others. And this is so important in today's culture. I mean, again, God's Word is timeless. But boy, do we need to be hearing these messages more than ever. So if you've missed any previous podcast, make sure you guys go there, check them out wherever you access, whether it's on Spotify or Amazon Music or if it's SoundCloud. You can also get the podcasts and updates about our ministry here at Stand Strong Ministries at standstrongministries.org. And by the way, just letting many of our listeners, our faithful, devoted Awesome listeners out there that we have two new books that came out, Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over the Church, and Parenting Gen Z. So if you're looking for a great parenting book to help you, if you have a a child in elementary, middle school, high school, even in college, that demographic of Gen Zers, that is a great resource that we partnered with Focus on the Family, and that book is available wherever you get books. You can also check out more details by going to standstrongministries.org. Click on that top link there. You'll see with the resources. Click on books, and it will show you all the books that I've been blessed and honored uh, to have written in the last several years. So we make these resources, you guys, as we teach you here on this podcast to stand strong in God's Word, to be grounded in the eternal truths of our Savior, that you also get equipped with resources that are built on a biblical worldview. So taking what we know in Scripture and living it out in our marriages and our parenting, etc. So this takes us back now as we are looking at what we discovered in the last few verses in chapter 8. Take care not to cause weaker Christians to stumble. Now I'm telling you, if you've missed that, go back to it. Before we discuss that, as we entered in chapter 8, we're talking about making sure that your arrogance does not compromise your witness, how important that is, my friends. And I've gotten some great feedback from some of our faithful listeners around the world about how this podcast encourages them. Guys, I got to tell you, please share this podcast. Let people know about it. Do a small group Bible study. Uh, reach out to us and how you can do that at info at standstrongministries.org. We will give you access to my notes so you can go deeper into your study with other people, maybe your family, maybe you want to do it with your kids. I just was talking to a dad whose son has been struggling with a lot of issues in his life in college. And I say, hey, listen to the podcast with him. Have discussions about it. You know, it's an easy way as the kid's going to college, as he's going to work, he can listen to it and jot some things down, open the Bible, study it verse by verse together. The dad never went to Bible college. Most, again, people who listen to the podcast never have. We have some faithful pastors who are so thankful who, who support this ministry. But the vast majority of people, they don't. And this is what is, is so such a, such a blessing is 
to give this opportunity, to afford this opportunity to, to come to you guys in this platform, in this format, and say, let's study God's word together. I've been blessed to, to study it. And the more I study, the more I learn, I need to learn about God's word. That's why it's so amazing. But to help you guys, to enrich you guys, and to equip you guys, and to get you grounded in God's word. So what a blessing. Now we transition to chapter 9. And this is about supporting people in ministry. And we have that right. And we're not to abuse that right. Just like if, if, you're, if you live in the United States of America, one of the things we're blessed is that we live in a democracy. We're trying to advance a more perfect union. Uh, obviously, these days, it's, it's troubling. We pray for our leadership as we're called to do so in Scripture. God is sovereign. He controls the, the hearts and minds of people and, 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 you know, and with the balance of their free will to surrender and obey Him or disobey Him. And, and one thing is for sure, though, is that within these rights that we have as, as human beings, uh, even as, as Americans, we have the right to vote, the, the, the right to free speech, if you will, uh, the right to bear arms. Now, people can abuse those rights, and that's, that's what Paul's dealing with. And now what, what he transitions into is about himself. And my friends, this is so vitally important because oftentimes pastors will go to great lengths to give you an illustration to draw out whatever significant point is being flushed out in Scripture. And that's great. We need that to help clarify or, if you will, to seal the deal, right? But the other side of it, though, and I, I don't see a lot of people do this often because I think they lack vulnerability. And if they lack vulnerability, it's either they're crippled by fear or there is a deep element rooted within them where they're not vulnerable enough because they don't care enough. Paul cares. So even me pastorally, as I look at this, I'm thinking this is awesome because not only does he lay out the case, he's going to use scripture in this passage to defend his position as a sponsored, supported missionary who also worked on the side, and we'll get to that in a minute, but really saying, don't I have a right? Isn't, hasn't God called me to do this? And if God has called me to do this, he will meet my needs. So we as Christians, we believe that. But Paul is going to use himself to say, listen, let me bear witness to this. I'm going to use myself because I'm not ashamed. And I encourage anybody out there as a parent, any position you have as a leader, use yourself as an example of what God is doing in your life. Don't just afford it to the person. Expand it by getting personal. So now in chapter 9, again, Paul turns to himself as a model. And he's a model of how he's a witness for Christ. Now remember, we just talked about in the last podcast, podcast 239, this is now 240, that we are to take care so we don't cause weaker Christians to stumble. And so it's, it's so important. I just met with a, with, a, a, with a man struggling and really is feeling called for ministry, but he doesn't know what to do. Now, his circumstances are familiar in some ways. When my wife and I were going through a period of time of what God was doing in our life, but a lot of it's different, right? Because each life is unique. But that didn't mean like I couldn't relate to what the man was struggling with and how to encourage him. And there was a point in time where I used myself to show him God's faithfulness in my life, even in the midst of my naivety, ignorance, stubbornness, whatever, okay, fear. So Paul's using himself 
notwithstanding the criticism and the persecutions brought on by Satan. And this is so important that we have to understand. So when you look at here down verse one, it says, I am not free. I am not an, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? So everything at this Paul, when Paul's describing his ministry, it's, he's saying, it's not about me. Man, isn't that refreshing? Everything Paul did for the churches, he's saying, when he's posing in these questions, it's not about him. It's not about his identity. It's not about his brand. You know, there's 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 a slogan out there with with an entity in, in the sports world called um, "It's all about the brand" or something like that. And and you know, it's it's a recognition of like stay on task to what it is. And Paul, it was not about him. The brand was not him. The brand was the life, death, burial, and resurrection, and and ascension of Jesus. So everything he did, what he did for the churches in Corinth, it was not for his own self-interest, but the interest of Corinthians. And if you have a financial advisor and their interests are your interests, that's when you have an alignment. That's when you know you can trust someone. But, you know, my wife and I go to a, a great mechanic down the street and they've caught things and they've even covered things without even charging us. They're just honest. And yeah, we can fix it, but this is under warranty. You should take a look at this. We took pictures of it. If they have any questions at the dealership, let us know. That, my friends, is honesty. It goes back to why they're doing what they're doing, to help people, not to rip people off. And it's so sad to see what ministry has become in so many areas around the world, not just in the United States. And so Paul is pointing this out. He's saying, you are my workmanship. Now, Let's go back because he poses this question, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? This is interesting because, again, his authority, his position comes directly from Christ. To see Jesus and to be given a commission by him was a necessary qualification to becoming an apostle. When Judas Iscariot committed suicide in Acts 1, 21 through 22, they brought in Matthias. They brought in a new apostle, if you will. And there was qualifications for that. And several of them met that. But but the hand of God directed them to appoint Matthias to replace the position of Judas Iscariot. Now, to make his claim even more emphatic, Paul uses, this is interesting, he uses a Greek word, oikai, which is not in place of the normal term oik or ok. You can find Paul's recorded conversion story in Acts 9, 1 through 9, but I want to read to you a passage where he talks about his conversion when he became an apostle in Galatians 1, 11 through 19. He says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to, to, by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas or Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So clearly we know when you take the account of Acts 9, 1 through 9 and Galatians 1, 11 through 19, 
Paul qualified. Christ appeared to him literally, okay, in his resurrected glorified body on the road to Damascus. And then we see him talk about his conversion in his first letter to the churches of Galatia. So now when he uses this term, my workmanship, and this is so beautiful. So again, if you are a pastor, if you are a shepherd over a flock, that's your workmanship. Man, that you don't own them. They're not your clonies. They are, they represent your work. They represent your deeds. They represent the activities of ministry. Like Paul was saying, this isn't my church. This isn't my ministry, if you will. This is the Lord's and the people that come like the way when I look at it is Lord, the people who come to our websites, um, the people who read our books, come hear me in conferences, etc. Now, unlike pastors who get to see their flock on a regular basis, my point is that that's my workmanship. God, you've called me to minister and to equip these people at this time in this space with this, with these people. And I pray the work, the deeds, the activities I do honor you. It's not about me. It's about people, people we are called to serve. Every single time when I'm on a conference call with a church or, or a conference ministry, and we're going through the details of my schedule, what I'm going to be teaching on, whatever, I inevitably say this, I am here to serve you guys. So let me know how I can do that. What that does is it opens the door to remind people we're Christians. We're servants of Christ. We're not to please man. We're to please him. And as we please him, we serve, not our interests. So that's a beautiful statement he's saying, because now what he says in verse two, notice what he says is, if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now, the seal of my apostleship, if you look at the ancient Near East, a seal was placed on a document, right? Or a letter or a product. And what it meant was that this is authenticated by its quality, by its symbol, to validate, again, the authenticity of the source because of the person it comes from. So what Paul was saying was that you guys have my seal of apostleship. And it wasn't just what I taught you, but it's how I interacted. It's how I loved, how I served, how I engaged with you guys. Because then he says here in verse three, this is my defense to those who would examine me. So then he's saying, okay, well, put me to the test. And I love this because I'm thinking, we need to do this in ministry. We need to do this as parents. Even if you're a small group leader, you, your defense is your conduct in the Lord. He's your defense. If you live for Christ, in humility, in obedience, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You have nothing to worry about. So when you look at verses three through six, Paul now here is going to describe his proper behavior as a missionary. So this is the standard. He says, would you examine me? This statement implies what was happening is that Paul was being questioned and challenged by many Corinthians. We don't know who, but that's implied here. The Biblical Theological Study Bible says this. It suggests that Christian Corinthians criticized not only Paul's rhetorical oratory, meaning his ministry, the way that he established himself and the way he presented, that goes back to chapter one of 1 Corinthians, but also his decision not to accept financial support from them. 
Because itinerant orators were supported financially by local patrons, Corinthian Christians who belonged to the cultural elite evidently criticized Paul for not accepting their money. So this was important because it's not that Paul had a problem trying to raise support financially to do the, the work that God had called him to do. It was that they didn't think that he was credible because in his area of ministry in Corinth, he didn't have people who were local patrons supporting him, meaning, therefore, they didn't validate him. See the difference? But now later in 2 Corinthians 11, when we get into that second letter, in verses 7 through 12, Paul will even remark how some Christians doubted that he was an apostle. So in one aspect, people are saying, you're not a credible source because if you were, you would be financially supported. So you're not a professional. You're not authentic. On the other hand, people were doubting he was even an apostle, that he was even called by God. But notice what he says. He says, as long as you know that I'm an apostle of the Lord to you. And that's what matters because at the end of the day, you're not trying to please people. You're trying to please the Lord. Then he says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? So now he's getting into a level where he's going to talk about how he lives his life and even being married. And this is important because Paul and Barnabas, they were servants of Christ. And they had a right to receive support from churches. That's biblical. I mean, that's all I've ever known. God called me when I was 17, 18 years old to minister. I knew that was what I was called to do. Before my mom passed away, when she was killed in a car accident, I was 15 years old. She even told me, I remember, and, and there's not a lot of conversations I remember having with my mom now. It's been so long. But one of them that I remember that I hold, I hold to and that is, she saw God's hand. She saw ministry, a ministry calling in my life in the future. I didn't know what that meant. This was, I think, a few months before she passed away, going into my sophomore year in high school. But it stuck with me. And here, Paul is saying, hey, we're supported by the ministry. And we got to do whatever's necessary in our freedom as we're living above reproach to do what needs to be done so that we continue to advance the gospel. And so when he now says this in verse five, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord in Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So what Paul does is he reverts to his argument in chapter seven. So again, you would have to pull back to chapter seven that we covered and how he talked about exercising your will to either marry or to remain single. And remember, there are people who are called to marriage and there are people who are called to singleness. And Paul knew that he had a right to get married. It wasn't wrong for him to get married. It wasn't wrong for him to eat food that was offered to idols in the market. But there's a difference between that and realizing that this could be a stumbling block for people. And there's a lot, the last thing I want is to be doing something that's going to actually cause a weaker brother or sister in Christ to stumble. So though you have a right to get married, though you have a right to eat meat that was sold in the market. But again, remember, there's a fine line, but don't be going to the temple where they were offering it in a salivatory fashion, whether it be a wedding or a, fest, a, a, a feast of some kind or a festival 
and you're there participating, though you're saying, well, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, but everybody there was worshiping these gods and then they're eating this food that was offered to their idols, to their deities. That, that, that's wrong, okay? So we know that you can't be abusing or stretching those rights, okay? There, it's not just common sense, it's conviction that there are things you just don't do. So Paul, the fact that Paul and Barnabas were single doesn't discredit their authority as men of God because that was the other thing. Professional orators were married. They were like civilized people, right? And because that Paul wasn't, in a way it was like, what's up with this dude? Like he's in and out. He's like a rogue kind of a speaker. And so by the time of Paul's ministry, many many of the traveling missionaries, they were older in age and obviously they were married. So here this guy's older in age and he's not married. So again, see, there was always these things working against Paul. And a lot of times people always make these excuses like me being dyslexic growing up. I could have made that an excuse as to why I can't speak in public or I can't get good grades because I'm dyslexic or I'm never in a million years going to be able to write a book. I mean, of course, obviously I had those doubts along the way, but imagine if they just consumed me and I gave in and didn't trust the Lord. So yeah, there's always going to be things that we face, my friends, that are oppositions to the work that God has called us to do. But we have to be like Paul, where we can't let what people think about us ruin us. So if you go back to chapter seven, remember Paul, he was dedicated to the work of God. And that's what we have to, I always found that you have to find an anchor that goes beyond what you're struggling in or assuming at the time. And I love this because psychologists call this you know, the, the, this is like the, the, the first order reality versus the second order reality. The first order is that which aligns to the facts, that which is. It's the truth. And then there's the secondary where these are where the assumptions or the generalizations come out of. And we can get wrapped up into that world and so much of it is not even real. We don't even have to worry about it. But that's where we go when we open our mind to not only questioning and doubting, but to not listen to God and rather listen to negativity. But Paul's not buying into that. And this is why he says, when he was referring back to the brothers of the Lord, I love this because he's saying, look, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, Jesus, those are his earthly brothers, okay? They're getting married. They're doing what they're doing. Barnabas, my colleague, a Jewish Christian, remember from Cyprus, he belonged to the priestly tribe of Levi. He was one of Paul's closest traveling companions. In his early missionary journeys, if you look at Acts chapter 13 all the way to chapter 14, verse 28, he wasn't married. And then he says, have no right to refrain from working for a living. Again, there's a sharp views about labor and receiving support. Again, on, on the one hand, the elites of society look down on manual labor. So if Paul did then work, which he did as a tent maker, people, there was a class of people there that said, oh, well, you're clearly not a professional because you're, you're a laborer. See, so again, no matter what Paul did, somebody or some group of people are going to attack him. So many of the sages of the day, they were receiving remunerations from wealthy patrons. Again, that was like the pinnacle. That's what was accepted. You were, you were a more advanced scholar because your work was funded. Just like when we think about today, when somebody's doing research, you know, a foundation comes in there to support their work. I mean, that's like critical, critical for any researcher. Now, Paul, who worked for a living, though, again, he did receive financial support from various churches amid his missionary travels on occasion. 
And there was times where he was raising support for churches. We see this later. We'll see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, in both cases, though, Paul wasn't sinning. He was doing whatever was necessary to provide, as I said earlier, to the needs that he and his colleagues, his companions needed to spread the gospel to Jews and to Gentiles, despite how they viewed how he conducted himself. Because he says, examine me. I wasn't sinning. So no doubt Paul's critics took shots at him. Um, and, and we have to be above that, my friends, when, when we are being attacked. The other thing I want to look at before we, we close this out, and we're going to take a pause probably, and then we'll pick things up next week. But notice what he says. He poses now in verses 7 through 9 these questions, and he looks into Scripture to really give, give credence to his level of argumentation about the rights that he has as an apostle and the support that is biblical, the giving, the generosity that we need to have, my friends, to those who God has called to ministry full-time. We're all called to ministry. We're all ministers of the gospel. We're all in a ministry of reconciliation. We're all members of the body of Christ. So we're individual, but we are one. One faith, one, one, one hope, one baptism, one Lord. And you can see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. So when Paul now says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So if you look at verses 7 through 14 now, you know, what Paul's going to do is he's going to defend his rights as an apostle. He's going he's to talk about what a soldier is, what a farmer is, what a shepherd is. And then he says in verse 8, do I say these things on human authority? So remember, if you go back to verse 1, he's an apostle not because he said so, not because a, a group of people said, hey, you're, you're just the kind of guy we're looking for. You want a job? This is what it entails. You got to go raise your own support. No, God himself, the second person, the Trinity, was the one that called him to be an apostle. So what he does is he sets up a soldier, he sets up a, a, a farmer, he, sh he sets up a shepherd, and, I, and I wanna, I'm going to go deeper next podcast about exploring why he picks these three and then how they reflect his ministry and, and how it reflects our ministry as a Christian. But then he says, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? So not only does he say, look, you can examine me. You know my conversion story on the, on the road to Damascus. I mean, that story spread like wildfire to the point when Paul was trying to engage the Jews and now he is a Messiah believer in Jesus Christ. You even had many of the leaders in the way, right? The early movement of Christians, they were afraid because he was the one who was leading the persecution but they see this transformation that took place. Of course, now we're several years. I mean, we're, if, you, if you think that Paul's conversion, if you go back to our study in the book of Acts, we explore this time frame. So this is, again, if Christ died no later than AD 33, and Paul's conversion is within two years of that, and we're writing, he's writing 1 Corinthians now, and this is late 50s. Some people have, some people will put Corinthians 80, 52. So we're talking 20 years at least, 
removed from his conversion. So there's 20 years of ministry that Paul's doing here. And so what he's going to do is he's going to get into his authority that he has in Christ and he has these rights that are not to abuse. Then he's going to revert to scripture to support his life based on the word of God. So as I close out, one of the things that I want to challenge you guys, and then we'll pick things up later, is what kind of ministries are you supporting and why? Number two, when you are living your life as a Christian within the rights that you have, the freedom that you have in Christ, are you abusing some of those rights? Are you perhaps maybe taking advantage of some of those rights? Or maybe you are ignorant of some of those rights? I want you to examine that in your life. Don't just get off this podcast and rush off to the next. Even if you have to take a mental note or, or get your phone out and, and open your notes and, and write these things down or, or pause this until you have time to really reflect. But I really felt jumping on to this podcast recording for you, you guys is that we have to pause and say, what work am I doing that's supporting the work out there? I may not be able to do what Jason does. I may not be able to do what the missionary so-and-so does in Africa. I may not be able to do, and I'm not called. And that's okay, what that pastor's doing. One thing I would say to you guys to encourage you is over time, you have to settle your heart and be comfortable and say, I don't always have to do something. I know what my gifts are. I know, I know what the lane I'm supposed to be in. And a lot of times that may be contributing to other people and helping other people. But again, if it's not about my self-interest, if it's not about me, then all the more reason why you will be used by God in a mightier way. Because there's not going to be a stumbling block. There's there, there going to be interference. There's going to be opposition. There are going to be people going to challenge you. But the other thing is don't get so boggled down by what people might be thinking, what you perceive they might be thinking about you. And then try to work something out to, to, to try to get their approval, their support. No, I want you, as we looked at Scripture today, to take Paul as an example. I'm doing that. I'm praying that I will be more like Paul. I'm praying that for you. And yes, my wife and I, even being in full-time ministry, knowing right now as I record this, I am so blessed. I, I cannot tell you. So blessed and so humbled. Year after year, whether it was ministering in a church in Arizona, ministering in a mega church in Charlotte, and starting a nonprofit ministry where we are donor-supported. I can't tell you, my friends, what it means to me. It is, I cry still to this day and moved with compassion when people give to support this work. When they believe in the gospel and they have a heart, a generous heart to find ministries like Stand Strong Ministries and others, we support Voice of the Martyrs. We support Summit Ministries. There's individual missionaries that my wife and I support. Of course, we invest and support our local church. So we want to give generously and we want to support the work that Christian men and women are doing and coming alongside them and encouraging them in the, in the authority 
and in the leadership and the vision that God has given them. Now, obviously, again, it's kind of aligned with the Word of God. So I want you to take time to reflect on those things and see what God says to you and keep praying about it. Don't just do it real quickly, like a little quick exercise and move on. I believe that God is going to be using many of you guys in this next coming year if you just give your life to him and say, Lord, I am tired of the distraction. I'm tired of what people think. I'm tired of the opposition and trying to be something that other people want me to be. I want to be who you call me to be. So trust in him, you guys. Know that God loves you and know that God is empowering Christians through his word to go and to fulfill the Great Commission. So if this podcast has been a blessing to you guys, as we're recording this, we're coming to the end of the year. And even as we're looking at this passage and we're talking about how soldiers are paid to do what they are called to do to protect their land. Farmers take the crop that they labored over and to sell it in the market. Shepherds are to take care of the flock and to sell it into the market. We here at Stand Strong Ministries, that's what we're doing. God has called us to provide material, resources, counseling, direction, equipping Christians to stand strong in their marriage, with their families, to raise up the next generation, to be ambassadors for Christ, to train Christians around the world, young people who are strong in atheism or gender dysphoria or Christians who believe that Jesus now is a woke person. He's, he's all inclusive and all religions lead to God and God is not what the Bible says or the problem of evil comes as an argument to refute the claims of Christianity and Christ, etc. All these things we deal with through articles, through debates, through Q&As, through interviews that we do in the public to show people what a Christian intellect looks like, somebody who stands strong in God's word. We write parenting material. We partner with Summit Ministries with Focus on the Family and others out there stand to reason with Greg Kokel and his awesome staff that do the best job for student conferences. So check them out. You can go to str.org. My friends, what I'm telling you is there are so many awesome ministries to support and we're asking you, I'm asking you personally, that you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry on a monthly basis. Your donations go to help continue to equip Christians with a biblical worldview to stand strong in the culture that is challenging biblical Christianity. You know on this podcast, in my latest book, Hijacking Jesus, exposing the fraudulent teaching, the heretical teaching of progressive Christianity and how they're hijacking his virgin birth his miracles, his atonement, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and teaching you guys to defend your faith without compromise. That's what your donations go to support, the work that we're doing to come alongside families and churches and pastors in, in Christian schools to equip Christians who are biblically literate. So thank you guys for considering that, praying. You can go to standstrongministries.org, click on the donate button. And if you have any prayer requests or if you have any questions in the Bible, anything that we've learned on this podcast or something that you may be struggling with, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us by emailing us at info at Until next time, my friends, continue to stand on the Word of God. 